0: The genealogies may be part of God's holy word, but why are there so many, and how do they help us today? Do you want to understand the Bible, but you're confused? You've come to the right place. This is Tough Bible Questions on Timothy Talks, where I'm going to work through answers to your questions about the tough, challenging, and sometimes flat-out weird sections of the Bible. Well, it's another Tough Bible Question on Timothy Talks, and as usual, I'm Daniel Pentimo, and I'm going to be trying to answer these uh, tough Bible questions for you, but this one is a little different. I've been going through a lot of passages um, in the Bible and trying to answer the the tough questions that come from those passages. This one's a little different, but it's asking the question about more a section of different types of texts, Um, genealogies. Why are they so common in the Bible? And how are we really supposed to benefit from them? Well, let's face it, whether you start at the beginning of the Old Testament or at the beginning of the New Testament, you're going to run into a genealogy, a sort of family tree within a very short time. And genealogies, they function something like, I think of them like concrete walls for some Bible readers. And a lot of Bible readers just don't have the mental strength to go through them. So they're either going to go around them or they're just going to stop their Bible reading journey. Um, this is sort of a sad thing, especially, you know, when you, you give a, a Bible maybe to a co-worker or someone, and they start to read, but you ask them the next week how they are going, and they say, well, I just couldn't keep wading through those names, so I, I haven't I haven't done it recently. And you're always just disappointed with that. But even as Christians, though, we can have that difficulty of we come up against these genealogies, and then what do you do? Do you skip it? Do you skim it? Do you just read through it and just— sort of settle in for the monotony of it. Plus, then, there's the fact that reading these genealogies, it's not like reading a normal list of people's names. You've got these exceptionally challenging names like Shephetiah or Elio and I, or people like that. That Like, how do you pronounce those things? By the way, um, if I sounded like I pronounced those things well, um, well, I had to look at them for a bit. So, you know... You, you come across just lists of names like that, and sometimes they can go on for chapter after chapter. What are we supposed to do with these lists? Anyways, well, I'm going to answer that in just a minute, but in the meantime, we're coming to the end of these tough Bible questions, and as always, I'd love for you to send me your tough Bible questions, which you can do by emailing them to timothytalkspodcast at gmail.com. While you're at it, if you like the content of these podcasts, you might want to check out FromDanielsDesk.com. This is a small website that I run. I'm constantly posting um, new content to encourage you in your Christian life. Plus, if you subscribe to the site, you'll get access to my short ebook, Five Ancient Traditions to Enrich Your Spiritual Life. So check it out. I think you'll enjoy it. Um, since it's, since it's blog posts, it's not going to take long just to read through, skim through a couple of those articles, and you might find that it's really beneficial for you. So with that said, though, getting back, though, to why are there so many genealogies? Well, today um, I've got some thoughts that will hopefully help you as you're working through genealogies in your Bible reading. How should you respond to them? And I do think that it is valuable for you to think carefully about these genealogies, to actually read them, not just to skim over them or to skip them. But I think there is some value in that. First of all, these are accurate records that are tremendously helpful in understanding the Bible. Because we have genealogies, we're able to understand important pieces of the biblical picture, like the distance between Adam and Noah, um, just by calculating out those dates. So the genealogies then become very helpful for us. Um, one of the things that I've done oftentimes it has been very helpful for me is to create family trees or charts that will— put this information in sort of a pictorial representation. But I think that you'll find the same thing, is that the information in these genealogies is actually really, really helpful and beneficial. And so don't just skip over it. This will help you to understand the Bible more um, as you understand the relationships between different people. But another thing these genealogies do is that they are records that demonstrate the faithfulness of God. Now, for this, all that you have to do is just turn to Matthew chapter 1 where you have the genealogy of Jesus. This is much more than just a list of people. It's also a record of the whole dealing of God with people to prepare the way for the Messiah. It certainly shows God's faithfulness to his promises, even the promise all the way back in the Garden of Eden that someone would come who would crush the head of the serpent. And then as you read through that genealogy of Jesus, all of these different people who are involved In the family tree of Jesus, you see how God is working, how God is bringing about his plan for the world to to work out and ultimately to bring about Jesus Christ in the world in the flesh. So um, these, these genealogies, they exist as records of God's faithfulness. They're not just there to make your Bible reading experience more difficult. You, you can also see this faithfulness of God in so many other places, though. You see it, um, for example, in the expansive genealogies in the book of First Chronicles. Now, First Chronicles is one of those books that has nine chapters of genealogies. And not only that, but they're all in a row. You don't even get breaks in between. You have nine chapters of genealogy, and they all sit at the very front of the book. Meaning, if you're going to read through the book of 1 Chronicles consecutively, you got to be ready, because this is like an iron gate in front of the book of First Chronicles. If you're going to get through it, you've got nine chapters of genealogies, So it's expansive genealogies. But what it's doing with all these names of these different people is it's demonstrating that God is making good on his promise to Abraham that he would make of Abraham a great nation. So there's value in this. You see the faithfulness of God. Because it's one thing for God to promise to make Abraham a great nation. It's another thing to read nine chapters of names of people in this nation, and to see that God is literally fulfilling that promise. But there's a third reason that I think these genealogies are so valuable, and that is that they actually have purpose in the books themselves, in the individual books of the Bible themselves. So as you approach the genealogies, you need to understand why are they here? Like, what's the purpose behind them? Now, at this point, if you've been listening to many of these episodes, you know that um, for some time I'm really big into this. So when I deal with tough Bible questions, I'm not just looking at the passage itself, but I'm also trying to understand how does this passage fit into the bigger flow of the book itself? How? What sort of context clues can we get that are going to help us interpret this passage and why it exists here? Well, it's the same way with genealogies. If you're going to understand a genealogy— You need to understand the book itself, and that will help you to understand why this genealogy is included. Um, So, for example, if you're looking at the book of Genesis as a good example of this, um, you have several genealogies in Genesis, and understanding what's going on in Genesis helps you to know why these genealogies are there. So you have the lines of Seth and Cain, for example, and they're showing us these two different civilizations that are existing in the world until ultimately they intermingle And the whole world gets very, very bad, and it does so very quickly. So these genealogies are there for a purpose. They're letting us track the rise of these two civilizations. Then you have the genealogy of Noah and his descendants, and that helps us track the world being populated according to God's commands to Noah. And um, you see God's um, intentions in the world being fulfilled with all these different nations that are coming from Noah and from his descendants. And you also get a sense for what's going on when Abraham is ultimately called, chosen by God, to plant a beachhead in the world of paganism, as it were. Again, the genealogies are existing in the book of Genesis, not as useless information, but they're helping us to get a grasp of what's going on in the world around, and they're advancing the storyline itself. So you need these genealogies or the book of Genesis is not complete. A final thought, though, with regard to these genealogies and the value of them is that it's important to remember that the genealogies are inspired. They're there for our spiritual benefit. Now, this may seem hard. It doesn't really seem like there's a lot of spiritual benefit in them, but there is. Sometimes that spiritual benefit is to stretch us and grow us as we engage with them. Certainly, they're there to help our mind, to provide some raw data for our mind, and they challenge us to love God with our minds. It is a challenge, and it is tough, but they're challenging us to love God with our minds. But they're also there for more. They can also actually help our hearts to love the Lord even more as we ponder them. Um, As we think about, for example, God's faithfulness, that's going to draw us to love the Lord more. In fact, there's even an account, I love this story, of a man who was once saved when he read the genealogy in Genesis chapter 5. So that chapter, as you might recall, it's, this, it's a chapter, it lists the descendants of Adam and the phenomenal lifespans that they had. Well, you might remember that after each person and his length of years, it says, and he died. So this man is reading, and every one of these people lived a crazy long life. And as he's reading, he finally gets to Methuselah, and Methuselah lived 969 years, which is crazy long, and then he dies. But the man begins to ponder that phrase he died and after every single one of these people even though they live these huge lives he died and he died and he died and as the man begins to think about that he comes face to face with his own mortality he begins to realize that he also will die and what will happen at that point well he's going to stand before god that's the one constant in life death and then the judgment and that brings him to the point of seeking god and finding salvation from his sins, and all that came from a genealogy. So there is value in these genealogies, even if we don't sometimes think of them, but God can use these genealogies in our spiritual lives to grow us spiritually. I don't want you to miss, though, this opportunity for God to do this in your life, but it's not going to happen if you're just skipping over these genealogies. So I do think there's some value in them. Um, I think we should be reading them, trying to piece things together. Maybe we'll find those interesting, interesting little things. Noticing things like the relationship between Korah and Moses in the Old Testament. Well, you find that Korah is the cousin of Moses as you read the genealogies. But noticing these things as we put the pieces together, we're going to understand the Bible better. And we're also going to love God ourselves more. Hopefully that will help you though, and I do encourage you go out there and if you've got a genealogy that's coming up in your Bible reading, read it. But thank you so much for joining Timothy Talks today as I'm answering these tough Bible questions. Now, as I said, sort of hinted at, we're we're coming to an end. Um, I've I've been hitting a lot of these tough Bible questions, and um, some of the some of the major ones we've already dealt with. So we're at this point where um, we're going to be transitioning to something new, and I can't really give you any hints about that yet. I do want to say that there is going to be one change for the next couple weeks, which is there's going to be no further new content on Timothy Talks for the rest of this month of December. So we'll be back in January, but for the rest of December, um, there's not really going to be any new content, um, but this would be a great time for you to look back at some of the other content that's on the show. I want to remind you, um, just go back to some of the previous seasons, um, look at some of those talks on evangelism and missions, or maybe even the early church. There's a whole season, uh, season one, the history of the early church, um, all the way until around the year 312, 313 AD. You can find some fascinating stories if you look at those. So that should keep you occupied, but um, this is just a little chance for the team at Timothy Talks to just take a little bit of a break. Um, spend some extra time with family at the end of the year and we'll be back. I hope you'll join us. Please do. Please do mark that on your calendars. Just don't forget about us over this time um, because we do want to see you again at the beginning of the year um, for our weekly podcast. Looking forward to that. I hope that you'll be there and blessings to you in the remainder of this year.